long day at work and then at the time I was driving um, miles and miles and miles to then get to and from work and and then going back and painting and I ended up crashing my um, my car and that was a bit of a wake-up call in terms of just managing the workload and I was like this isn't sustainable. You're listening to the Gangstar Creative Podcast, where we talk and share real strategies, real tactics, and real stories from me and my badass guests to help Gangstar creatives and artists like you thrive in both your business and life. And I'm your host, Ivana. I'm an artist, creative entrepreneur, speaker, and best-selling author. Are you ready to annihilate the status quo of the starving artist? If so, let's get it! What up, Gangstars? It's your girl, Devana, and this week's Gangstar Creative is Lawrence White. Inspired by successful entrepreneurs, artists, and entertainers, Lawrence paints vibrant portraits of some of the most influential people who have helped shape the world we see today. Having always been fascinated by understanding what it takes to achieve success and the individual motivations behind it, Lawrence paints figures who have inspired others and his own success. His work focuses on capturing the entrepreneurial spirit, hard work, dedication, and persistence required to achieve whatever it is you want from life. Lawrence is a self-taught artist who continues to produce unique paintings with a positive message. It's always cool when I have guests that are, you know, coming on from the opposite side of the world and he's coming on from London. So I'm excited to have him pull the curtain back on his business and share how he markets himself and how he got to where he is today because he has some cool nuggets that are different from what a lot of the past guests have shared. So we're going to be talking about his journey. We're going to be talking about how he prices his artwork, how he uses, you know, social media to market himself, how he's able to build, you know, connections with his art community of collectors and fans. So I'm just super excited to dive in and share this episode with you guys. All right, Gangstars, I have another amazing Gangstar creative this week. I have Lawrence with me all the way from London. I actually got to connect with him off of an app that's on and popping called Clubhouse. If you're not on it, definitely get on it. There's an amazing creative community on there. I got to connect with him and chat with him a little bit there. And he's an amazing artist, so I'm super excited to have him on and share all of his story and journey and all the insides to his business with you guys. So Lawrence, thank you so much for joining me today. That is very, very kind of you. Uh, hello, how are you? how are you? I am doing awesome. I can't complain. <laughs> good, 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 good. So like with all my episodes, I would love for you to just start off by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Where did you start? And where are you today? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm a portrait artist. Uh, as you said, I'm in London um, and I paint portraits or large scale portraits of icons that have made it to the top of their respective fields. So I paint people like Adele, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, I guess, yeah, all the big icons, because I've always been fascinated by what it takes to become successful and, and and those that have managed to do that I'm kind of really interested uh, about the their mentality and so by painting those people I get to study them and then apply that in my own kind of work doing the art uh, in branding myself so I'm trying to yeah make myself get to the top of the the game in the art world and so like I said studying those guys has been a real help in terms of what I need to do to be able to get to the to the top of the art game so um so yeah oh I love that um I'm curious to know when you're like painting these icons celebrities you know idols of some sort do you 
like all like do you have like a list of people that like you want to paint or do you just kind of like people pop in your head and then you just start painting them um and then it's the process like okay once you figure out like okay I'm going to paint Michael Jordan you kind of just do research on him and like like how does that process for you look like yeah for sure uh, so I mean taking it back a little bit uh, I started painting about two and a half years ago oh, um, wow. and I was so barely new yeah, so really, really new. I was, um, I worked in TV. I was a TV producer for about eight years. And um, what happened was I was getting frustrated with the TV industry. There's a lot of politics and, and you're also not always working. So you have a lot of downtime. Mm. Anyway, during some of that downtime, I uh, ended up getting back into painting uh, to see if I could still do it. Because uh, the last time I'd painted prior to starting uh, was 10 years at college and stuff so I just tried it um, I painted a picture of Kanye West and uh, one of my friends was on a tv show over here um, called Love Island um, mm -hmm. and he'd built up quite a following being on that tv show and when he come out he saw the painting and he bought it he posted it on his Instagram uh, and from there I've only ever been doing commissions um, ever since and so oh, wow. that post yeah that that post led to another one painting which led to another and and so I, I'm kind of lucky I guess to say that the paintings that I do paint of icons are generally for customers that that want that specific icon. That makes sense. Wow. You know, I always hear, I've had a couple guests where it was kind of like a similar, you know, turning point for them where it was just somebody, you know, right connection or right timing where it kind of catapulted their career, so to speak. And that's pretty cool that your friend actually bought your piece, you know, like, you know, when you start out, a lot of times friends are like, oh, like hook me up with that or, you know, kind of do that sort of thing. Want a, little, really free, want a little freebie and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he bought it and he shared it. Um, and then that kind of catapulted your career. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, to add to that, though, uh, having having been in the TV industry for, for a long time, I got to know a lot of, I guess, the influential people and those people that already that you may know in the public eye and that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. I've gone on to paint for some of those people and, and because they have big audiences and they've been able to post my work, that's kind of, I guess, a reason as to why I've grown fairly quickly, um, I would suggest. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, how did you even get into the TV industry and what did you do specifically? Well, again, to take it way back, I uh, studied business um, at a university called Love. Loughborough which is over in the Midlands um, in the UK and uh, I come out of uni and wanted to you know make a lot of money and and go into stockbroking you know like mm. the Wolf of Wall Street type of thing and yeah. so yeah but it was just being on the phone all day and I absolutely hated it so I left <laughs> and um, <laughs> I was at home living at home so so um, I was out of work for a good few months and my mum uh, said that a family friend needed needed help on the X Factor. Um, just, you know, someone to like make teas and, and coffees and stuff. And I was really reluctant to, to, to go and do that. But my mum basically forced me because I had no money. And um, <laughs> so I went in, did that and loved it. And so, you know, you had like Simon Cowell walking down the, um, the corridor and all, all those types of people. And so end up getting the bug for it and kind of went from there to Britain's Got Talent and then on to a bunch of other shows that are in the UK. 
Wow, that's such a cool, like fascinating background and story. Um, we, me and my husband, when we lived in California, we would always go to like the live audience tapings for America's Got Talent. Um, so I've got to see like, I guess people that were like in your shoes, like how they run around and like do everything behind the scenes and even being around like Simon and the other judges. It's a really cool yeah. experience. I feel like when, I mean, when I see the people working there, it looks like they have fun and love their jobs. Well, it's definitely not as glamorous as uh, well, you're, yeah. you're, led, you're led to believe for sure. Um, I mean, yeah. it looks hard and like stressful, but also I feel like there's a lot to learn from it and enjoy from it too. Well, by the way, if, if you're ever looking for a date idea that's a little bit different, uh, I would highly suggest that you uh, you take a uh, love interest to, to go and watch a show because it can be really fun because during the breaks of a show, there's a comedian that comes on and then obviously yes. you get to see the show and that kind of stuff, which I'm sure you, you saw when you went. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of fun. And a lot of people don't know that it's free to do that. So every time like we would post something, people would be like, well, how did you get on the show? And we're like, it's free. You just go to this site and you, they are always looking for people. But you do, everybody listening, if you do, are in the audience, you do have to do a lot of work. You have to stand up, sit down. You got to scream and make all this noise. Yeah. It's really exhausting, <laughs> but it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And I mean, we've been on like several shows, like America's Got Talent. Um, we've been on... so. World of Dance, the Ellen show, like it's just a lot of fun though. <laughs> yeah, it is good fun for sure. Yeah. Um, so what was like the turning point for you where I'm assuming you're full time? Um yes. how, yeah. So how did you kind of like jump ship? Were you still working in TV and you transitioned to art, or did you like sell that painting and you're like, I'm gonna quit my job and like do this full time? Like, what was that transition like? Yeah, so it was a slow and gradual process. Um, okay. The, the story that I mentioned of kind of selling a painting to my friend, that was at the very beginning. But then for the preceding two years after kind of painting the first one, I continued to work in, in TV alongside doing painting. And so that was mm. a lot of late nights, you know, staying up till late after you get back from work and stuff. But as because because I never planned for it to be I guess a career as such it was more just like to genuinely see if you can still do it and I think as we as you as you go through you know school and stuff you're never really told that art can be a, a career as such I don't think um so yeah. I never really thought of it like that and so for 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 at least yeah the first year and a half it was just a case of this is what I enjoy doing in my spare time um and that's what I'm doing but as the I guess sums of money got bigger in terms of the people that were sorry the as the sums of money got bigger um of the people that were buying my work then I began to realize that wait a minute I could be onto something a little bit more here than just uh I guess a side hustle mm. was there a specific um client that you got or like a collector that you got that kind of made it be like okay this is the time or moment um or it was just kind of like you have a feeling more so yeah, I can remember it. Um, I did a painting for Will I Am um, from the Black Eyed Peas, um, mm -hmm. and I was like, it was just a level change, you know. Um, I'd gone on to paint for for various people prior to that, but he was the biggest by far um, at the time, and so um, that kind of really changed the game in terms of the way I saw my art uh, and the feedback that I was getting um kind of not changed as such but just become a lot more um and my following grew I guess a lot in that period of time as well mm, 
That's so cool. Well, congrats um, on like your journey in the store in your story and like getting clients like that. That's really exciting and not easy to do. Um, so I'm excited to kind of tap into that a little bit deeper. I mean, how did you even get um, Will I Am as a client or any of your other bigger clientele? You said you in your um, uh, form that you submitted, you know, you've worked with Philip Klein, Umar Kamani. Like, how did you get these these clients? So I'm huge on 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 having a social media presence. And so I think that all good things can happen from if you're willing to put in the work, posting regularly on all the different platforms, because it's a way to get to so many people that you would never have been able to in the past. Like when I was at college, the idea of of getting to thousands of people at one time with one post just wasn't it wasn't a thing and yeah. so at the time I, at college I had uh, one lady that come in to kind of see you know their kids show and stuff and they saw my piece and end up commissioning me but to actually make that sustainable living like you kind of got to rely on someone to then see the painting you did for them and and it's just it was just a lot harder to get that exposure to the amount of people you need to be able to make it a career as such if that makes sense mm-hmm. um and so social media has meant that all the people that I've gone on to paint for, so like I mentioned, my first friend and, and the other people that I've gone to paint for, when, you, when they then post that on their um, social medias, then that exposes you to a whole new audience. And so I will then follow up on all the people that then come into the inbox from there. And it's kind of like a repeat cycle almost. Well, at least mm. it was in the beginning as such. So um the way that I've actually got to those people I guess in the first instance the instance though was was having that tv background because a lot of the people that I've gone on to paint for I kind of know on a on a personal level which is where I've kind of I say lucky it's not really luck it's you know it's taken years to build those relationships to a point where they're they would want a painting as such or or be you know willing to to do that collab and whatnot Gotcha. For anybody that's listening, how would you, what, yeah, how, what would you recommend as far as like how to guide a conversation like that? So you obviously tapped into or tapped into your like warm network, your immediate network. And obviously this is more of a high level clientele or high level type of person. Um, And so for anybody that's listening that may have like someone like that, but they would love to like, you know, create work for but they're not sure how to navigate that conversation. How would you advise that person listening to navigate that conversation? When you say navigate the conversation, what do you mean specifically? Because I want to be able to Yeah. Um, so I know a lot of uh, creatives, they struggle with kind of like a sales conversation or like even when it's tapping into their own network, like how do I just go from like, you know, we're cool and we're networked you know we know each other we're connected and how do I turn that into an actual conversation that leads to you know closing the deal and getting them as a client or collector yeah for sure so I mean you build it's not just a case and that's why it's a slow process and so for those that are listening doing any sort of side hustle I wouldn't say it's just a case of you jump off a cliff the day that you start and you start doing your work you know, I think it's been really useful to keep a job alongside doing what I'm doing for a long period of time because it gives you that that air cover. It gives you that shelter to be able to make mistakes, but actually still be, I guess, earning money to to survive and such. You know, mm-hmm. 
in terms of practically what to do, you don't start off with um, a Philip Pline or, or like a... Um, uh, like a Trent Alexander-Arnold, you don't start off with those types of people. You, you start off with a, a smaller influencer. So if I was to give a practical tip and, you know, you probably know someone in your network with a few thousand um, or so, or even if you don't know that person, then you would inbox um, someone with a smaller following, say like 10, 20 to 50,000 or something. You get them on board, they then post. That then will lead to more traffic. You can then go to the next person uh, who's got a hundred or two hundred thousand um, followers and you can say oh I just did this post uh, painting for this person or I've just done this bag for that person or whatever and then you can be like cool I'd love to do this for you um, and often it's like a collaboration at the start not all of them are going to pay but what you are doing is leveraging their audience so almost that is paying for the piece in itself um and you grow that way if if you don't already know the people that you're that you're trying to get to if that makes any sort of sense yeah no absolutely um i've done something similar doing that kind of outreach um and i think it's good that you noted too that a lot of it's more like collaboration kind of like trading you're exchanging you know your service for their service which for an influencer is typically you know their audience and exposing your work to um, their audience, which can lead to, you know, new collectors and new um, purchases from your store, whatever it is that you do. So I think it's, I think that's really good um, and really practical as far as what, what the listeners can take and, and do. Well, I mean, by the way, I would I'd caveat that with actually doing some, some due diligence in terms of the influencer, if that is the route you're going to go or the collab person, because I've done collaborations with um, people that I've got like a million followers and got absolutely nothing back because yeah. for whatever reason, <laughs> yeah, for whatever reason, their audience is either a load of bots or, or, or it's not a real authentic audience. And so you want to be getting into the comments. You can even ask for their analytics that any influencer worth their sort is used to sending over analytics. So I would, I would just be a bit, sorry, I would do a bit of diligence um, before you then either give something away of value um, or spend a load of time doing something for for that influencer. Definitely. And I love, love, love that you shared that. I remember we kind of, I think I was in one of your rooms, we were talking about something similar about like doing pre-work for people or collaborating and even like doing your due diligence on that, but also like making sure whatever it is that you guys agree to as far as exchange with an influence or any collaboration, just make sure you have it in writing and in a contract too. Even if it's free work, you still want to make sure whatever you're getting in return is written down and they agreed and signed to it yeah for sure um yeah i mean uh, that is that's a big thing that's a big thing i mean i kind of got around that a little bit because i they were like warm leads as such because i kind of mm -hmm. knew them already but if i didn't then absolutely and i know the feeling of like oh it's awkward but trust me it is definitely definitely worth it because um because yeah bad well bad things can happen but you you can get screwed over as such yeah absolutely so when you got um Will I am. Um, how did he become your your collector? Did he or his team like reach out to you like they saw your work or what was that like? What's the story behind that? Yeah, sure. So, um, having worked in the TV industry, um, a, a friend of mine was a um, the celebrity producer on uh, The Voice, and so what that means is that that producer looks after all four of the judges that run the show. 
you know, and caters to their needs, make sure they're in the right place at the right time and, and passes on information and that kind of thing. Um, and she had been following my artwork for a while. Um, and she showed Will I Am uh, the piece that I did of Bob Marley. And uh, he saw it and he, and he wanted it. And so I went over to a um, TV studios called uh, Elstree Studios. And um, yeah, we, we, we did the, um, we did the uh, swap there. Um, and so it was great because what also you can do once you've got, say, for example, a picture of, of, of that moment, you can then advertise against that. You can post that all over the place and, and keep reusing and regurgitating that um, that content across your platforms you know so it's not just a, yes. a one-time uh, exchange you know yeah absolutely well that's a really cool um story and it just goes to show like you know making sure as far as branding goes like you're on top of mind for the people in your network like people know you as the artist or as the dancer or as a makeup artist like whatever your craft is so that when they're talking to other people you know they're going to share the word and share people share your work with other people you got to do whatever it takes and put yourself out there and bite that bullet um especially if you want to get you know to reach your goals and your success um the quickest because without putting yourself out there it's kind of like holding yourself back and then also you're not like sharing your gift with the world um and the world deserves you know whatever you have to offer so i think uh, i mean you've literally hit the nail on the head like I just want it so bad that you, you just can't really come into it. Do you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I'm bought into the idea that social media is the way that I'm going to be able to become the, one of the most well-known artists um, in the, in the UK at least anyway. Um, and so even when you don't want to do it, you kind of just have to force yourself to do it, you know, um, yeah. even while I sit here and, and do this, uh, this is promote, this will be promotion in itself that I'll post around and, and whatnot. And even though, yeah, it's late over in the UK, you, you kind of just got to suck it up and do it. If, um, if you're serious about your craft, you know, because there's going to be yeah. other people that are willing to, to outwork you if not. Yes, absolutely. And of course you can share that too, since, you know, you focus on these icons who are the, you know, the top one to 10% of, you know, the successful people. So I think it's cool that you're sharing those tidbits because, you know, there are going to be people that outwork you. And, and it kind of goes to this quote or, or saying that I like to always think about, it's kind of like, you are where you deserve to be. And so kind of letting mm. that sink in, it's like, how hard are you working? Like, where are you right now? And then why do you think you are where you are right now in your career? Um, as far as how close you are to reaching your goals, you are where you deserve to be. So depending on how hard you work and what effort you put in and what sacrifices you make, you know, then that shows like, you know, what you or where you are deserve like is deserving or not. Because if you're not putting in that work, then, you know, you got to kind of reassess that and put that work in. Absolutely. I think I want to also share a quote that I live by and it's kind of the first quote that you see on, on my website. And it's what we fear doing the most is usually what we need to do. Don't mm. let fear decide your future. And, and I think it's so true and kind of echoes what you just said. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love I love that you were able to um, repeat that, too, because there's so many quote like good quotes out there. And that was a long one. And I feel like if I were to had re-said that in a in a podcast episode I would have butchered it so I applaud <laughs> you <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> no, but that's good. And to everybody listening, it's, you know, and I talk about this in previous episodes, just kind of like as creatives, typically we're naturally introverted. Um, not everybody, but you kind of like, like, you know, you kind of are shy to put yourself out there. There's a lot of fears, insecurities, definitely a lot of insecurities, especially if you're starting out. But it's really when you step into that fear that you grow the most and you'll see, you know, the most success because if you're not doing anything, like nothing's going to happen at all. So whether you fall or fail or whatever, you kind of have to just keep going. And that's the only way that you're going to get to where you want to be. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, there's just no other way to get to the true, uh, to your full potential with, without without it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so for people that are listening, um, how would you, that are starting out, like just starting out and trying to get like the, the, the knack of things in the art world, obviously you have a unique um, story and like being in the industry of the TV industry has kind of helped you as far as like how you got clients. But for someone listening that doesn't have that type of network or isn't in that industry, um, how would you recommend that they go about getting clients and customers or projects booked? I think it all comes down to, to branding yourself. And, and what I mean by that is posting on the social media platforms that are relevant at this particular moment. So if I was starting from scratch, I'd be opening up an Instagram account, a Clubhouse account, a LinkedIn account, and a TikTok account. And I would be posting on those platforms every single day. I know that it can be a lot of work to do that, but as someone who's, for the most part, had a job whilst being able to get to the point that I have done, um, it is possible. It just means there's a lot of late nights and stuff. But all of those platforms that I just mentioned, bar Instagram, there's still um, opportunity to organically grow. So you can post a picture and it will um, it will reach an exponential amount of people um, rather than being, I guess, um, not shadow banned, but, you know, uh, restricted by by an Instagram, for example. Um I would be posting your journey of whatever you're doing, whether you're a sewer, whether you're uh, an artist, I'd be posting pictures uh, on your Instagram and across platforms every day, explaining what you do and why you do it. Even if you think it's mundane, someone will find value in that. And I think there's a, there's a Gary Vaynerchuk quote, which I absolutely love, which is document, don't create. And what that means is that, you know, you could be sitting in your, I, I talked about the journey when I was sitting at the end of my bed in my parents' house, you know, um, because it's, it's just nice to have that journey and people can relate. And so if you kind of just show people what you're doing, as opposed to like trying to get the perfect picture, then people are much more likely to align with what you're doing and that authenticity will come through and serve you well in the long term. Mm, I love that. I love that. And this kind of goes into my next question that many creatives struggle with um, is how do you, once you have the clients, like how do you go into the, the idea of pricing, you know, your projects or your, your services? Um, a lot of creatives struggle with it. I know a lot of artists do things differently. So for you um, in, in what you do, what is your method for pricing your services and how do you go about that? Hey Gangstar, sorry to interrupt, but if you're enjoying this episode so far, stop what you're doing right now and share this podcast with your friends on social media or text it to a friend in your contacts. If you're a true Gangstar and want to uplift and empower other creatives like I know you do, you're going to want to take a few seconds to do this now. Go ahead and pick your phone back up or click that browser tab that you're playing this episode in, hit that pause button and share it now. 
Hello, what are you waiting for? <laughs> All right, thank you for doing that. Now let's get back to the show. Oh, I heard someone speak actually the other day and it was quite an interesting one, which was um, in terms of pricing yourself, uh, think of a price that you're happy with at the moment. Think of a price that you think's way out of reach. And then if you sit yourself just in the middle of that, um, that could be a good way to gauge it. But practically in the beginning, I sold a painting um, for a couple of hundred pounds. Um, and now they go for, for um, yeah, for, for yeah, a few thousand and, and whatnot. So I just try and incrementally increase the price with each painting I did. And so it's just a process. Um, you'll get to understand that, you know, your value as you go along and, and as you improve and, and as you learn, I guess, the tricks of the trade. Um, but I wouldn't even, you know, depending on who it was, I still now would be willing to paint for free to get to the right person that's going to be able to give me that exposure. And mm. so you kind of, like I said, I mean, we kind of mentioned it earlier, you, you can make some, um, I guess, uh, you can mess up sometimes and assume that someone actually does have a really engaged following and stuff, but you know, you're only going to ever learn along the way. Um, so uh, does that make sense? I'm probably not doing a great yeah, no, job no. Of, of explaining it, but you know, put yourself out there. Uh, you'll work out as you go as to which one, which pieces you can do for free and which ones you should charge for and, and where you can charge. And as you grow, you should be incrementally increasing your price, I would suggest, because the worst thing would be to price yourself way above what anyone's willing to pay at that point. And then it's very difficult to start bringing that down to then meet that demand. Yeah, absolutely. You do a lot of work. You do a lot of paintings. Um, if everybody that's listening isn't following you right now, definitely go do that. I have his Instagram linked in the show notes. Um, so you want to go check him out because he's always posting his work and what he's doing. So he's, he's leading by example. If you're not sure what to do as far as social media and branding yourself, definitely check him out because um, he's, he's doing it the right way. Um, so what does your daily routine look like um, for any entrepreneur, any creative entrepreneur, um, it can be different every day. Some people like certain, you know, like routines. Um, so what does your day look like? Yeah, sure. So I absolutely hate the mornings. Um, and so I usually start, <laughs> a little, start a little bit later. I mean, I'm not really doing anything before 9.30. Um, but as soon as I get up, I'll do my first posts on Instagram and um uh, Instagram, uh, TikTok, uh, all the different platforms. Um, I will then have breakfast. I will then get onto Clubhouse now <laughs> and make sure I'm logged on because then that means I'm growing platform there by participating. And then basically throughout the day, I'll take it in two to two and a half hour sessions to, to work on paintings that I'm doing at any one particular time. Um, and that will be kind of mixed up throughout the day. Um, and as I kind of get print orders come in and stuff for, for works that I've previously done, I'll, I'll work on those during the breaks of that two hours. Um, and then in the evening, I'll be posting again on my social media before, well, when COVID isn't happening, I'll be going to the gym in the evening and then I will carry on painting probably until about 12 o'clock at night, something like that, 12, one. Mm. Um, but by the way, 
I listen to a lot of people and they say, oh, I work till like 1, 2 a.m. every night. Like when I say that, I'm, I'm usually doing something that doesn't always necessarily mean that I'm literally at a canvas painting, but it could be <laughs> catching up with some emails or, you know, just doing mm-hmm. bits and pieces. Um, and by the way, that's not every single day, but that's just a rough guide of, of a day, if that makes sense, because I think it can be quite overwhelming when you hear all these quote unquote gurus saying that you've got a work till you basically die um <laughs> yeah no thank you <laughs> kill yourself yeah yeah um so yeah nothing too fancy but um I enjoy it no that's awesome do you have like a team or do you outsource anything at all uh so I've got an assistant who um who helps helps me um I've got a I outsource the people that make my prints um and i'm looking for well i have a social media manager who's such who looks after my website and and kind of gets gives me a bit of guidance as to what i should be doing um and then i'm hopefully with a bit of luck gonna take on like a like a sales pr type person Mm -hmm. um because although i can do all the social media stuff as such um I'm now looking to get into articles and, and press and, and stuff like that, which is where I don't have contacts. So, you know, as and where I can afford it, I'm going to hopefully bring a, a member of the team in, in that respect, you know, to work on brand deals and collaborations with, um, you know, luxury brands that I like. Hmm, that's awesome. So do you have a, um, a manager or do you work with the agency at all or do you kind of manage yourself and handle everything yourself? for the most part other than the people you mentioned no I just I just do it myself um although I'm uh, I'm at a point now where I'm gonna have to start making a decision because all of what I just mentioned is taking up way too much of my time and I'm not actually (laughs) able to do as much of the painting as such that I would like to be doing um and so it's a pretty scary jump I'm gonna have to make soon which is maybe not necessarily employing someone full-time but um but um, employing another member of staff who will be able to, um, to I guess help in that respect. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think I guess it's always about reinvesting. So I guess it's always about reinvesting uh, the money that you do make. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's cool. Congrats on you know building the team, your team to where it is now. I know for a lot of people, like everybody does it, you know, in the beginning, you do everything yourself. So like being able to hire your first assistant or, you know, outsource to certain people that you need on your team. It's like, that's a big accomplishment. So that's awesome. Yeah, I think um, I would eventually, the the people that I've mentioned, they work on kind of like an ad hoc basis, if if you know what I mean. So when there's work that I need doing, then I'll bring them in. But I'd like to get to a point where they're kind of, I guess, full time and there's enough, enough to be doing that they're busy all, all the time you know um, <laughs> but I guess that's just a t- that's just a, a, a time and a, and a growth thing I guess yeah you'll definitely get there you're gonna get there sooner than you think I'm sure <laughs> hopefully. hopefully yeah um now I saw that you have like a whatsapp group of over a thousand people tell me or tell us more about that and what what's entailed in that and what does that do for your business I don't know if you want to hear it. I, I keep banging on about it, but no one really listens. Like, you know, on Clubhouse. Well, I'm listening. Out- <laughs> and I think the Gangstar Creatives are listening. So go for <laughs> it. 
Yeah, so I, I'm actually trying to reach a thousand people because uh, there's this book that talks about a thousand true fans and that's where I got the idea from. And that mm. book basically says that you can basically financially um, keep yourself going w- with a thousand people that are willing to pay a hundred pounds a year uh, for, for yeah. your product or service. I've heard um, that saying somewhere too. I don't know if I've heard of the book, but I've heard people or other like speakers or whatever talk on that same concept so this is already um capturing my attention (laughs) yeah and so at the moment we're at about 750 um people so you know not many to go but effectively what it is is it's i'm gonna put it as a funnel so what i do is brand brand stuff so when you do a collaboration when you pay for ads to drive people to your instagram that is top of funnel and so that gets people um looking at your your work and your website and stuff then from there i then post content regularly like i mentioned every day i'll be posting content which gets people interested in what you're doing like i said you want to be telling your story and that gets people aligned with what you're doing and then from there once people um are like familiar with what I do I want them to ideally join my whatsapp group and that's a group for those people that really are interested and engaged with what I do and want to support on a much closer level and so in that whatsapp group which is actually like a broadcast list and I'll explain but in that group I send out uh, behind the scenes looks at uh, what I do and give out tips on how to do certain things and I and I post new artwork usually a few days ahead of when I actually put it on social media. So there's a few benefits. Um, Oh, and if you want to buy prints or from me, then then I often give like a code or something like that, you know, there's like a little money off type thing to say thank you. But um, the, 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 um, the actual group work. So I'll say, do you want to come to see more of my work and and stuff? Uh, Join my WhatsApp group. They'll then join. Um, Is it free to join or is it a one-time payment or subscription? No, I don't charge for anything. I think okay. that the longer I can not charge, the, the better um, in the long term. But I'll then get them to join that group. And so what I'll do is actually a broadcast list. And so that means that each time I post, I'll add them to the group. Once I post in that group, that message then goes out to all 750 people. Um, and that goes to them as a direct message. And the good thing about it being a broadcast list is, um, one, it's free. And two, it means that no one else has their number but me. And I think a lot of people are worried about that. Um, so that just negates that issue. And then second of all, what, what by doing it as a broadcast list, it means that people are, are much more comfortable replying because it's not just some massive group where everyone can see each other's um, mm-hmm. responses and be intimidated by that, which is not what I wanted. I wanted to build like a real one-on-one relationship with those people that actually genuinely care about what I'm doing. And so they all then reply and I can go back in and reply. But the only caveat to what I just said there is that it does take more and more of your time as you get more and more people into that funnel and into that group and into that community. Um, it, like I said, it does take up a lot of time, but I enjoy it. So it's worthwhile. But at the same time, yeah, like I said, it, it, it can be a lot of hard work. 
That's so interesting. I love this idea because I've kind of been um, pondering on different things. Like, you know, they, they have like Patreon, but then that's like somebody else's platform where they take a percentage of, you know, whatever your levels are on Patreon. And I was like, okay, like maybe I could do some sort of like, you know, subscription thing and then get access to certain things. But I've never heard anybody use like WhatsApp as like a broadcasting thing or even like an exclusive newsletter type of thing. But this is interesting. But you, uh, you, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk or or do you not? Yes. Jab, jab. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, so he, he... He uses an app called Community, which is more like a text platform. And the only reason mm. they use WhatsApp is because, like I said, it's free. So you can send pictures and stuff without obviously it costing. Um, and so, yeah, that's just how the idea come about, really. Um, and But what I will say is that although it's hard work or, or takes a bit of work, the op- like the engagement and the, um, the sales, like most of my sales come from that group of people. So it kind of is worth it in the end. Yeah. I like that. Well, thanks for sharing the kind of behind the scenes of that. Um, and you were, you were discussing your funnel in the beginning. So do you do like paid ads? So you do paid ads and then you kind of keep that targeted audience and uh, retarget them with another ad for the WhatsApp group? No, so I don't do ads in terms of like trying to get people to go to website and all that kind of stuff. I just literally Mm. have, I just boost posts so that more people will basically see my post on Instagram. And if they then want to follow me from there, then then they can do that. But um, no, it's, it's not like I just, I don't really like that, like kind of, I guess, salesy type approach of it. I just want you to kind of organically find my stuff. And then if you like it, you can take it from there. Gotcha. Um, um, there's something else I wanted to say on that. What was it, what was the question again? It was about if you do like a, like a Facebook ad funnel, like where you you, you capture them oh, with your art it. and then you retarget them. Yeah. So if you want the actual answer, because I feel like after two and a half years, I finally cracked it, and I'm I'm getting I guess more followers and engagement than I ever have. Get on Clubhouse. Make sure that you're starting rooms on Clubhouse. That will get you loads and loads of traction and people coming through to your profile as we speak. Um, it's the best, it's the most organic reach I've seen. Then you run a few ads against posts that do well on your Instagram. And so what I mean by that is just boost some some pictures that do the best. Instagram literally tell you which ones do the best um, when you are a, a business account on the platform which you can just make your personal account into a business account. And then alongside that, you do the odd collaboration here or there with, with, um, with an influencer, if you can. I've found that that, that combination is, is, is the actual ticket to growing. Um, yeah. Hmm. When you boost your posts, um, do you, have you like experimented with the amount of ad spend that you've used? Do you recommend a certain amount or like is like a certain amount too little or you found like kind of like the the right amount um and do you have any specific tips as far as like you know who you target with those boosted ads yeah absolutely so um i have tried (laughs) tried most things um and spent a lot of money and wasted a lot of money (laughs) doing all of it um but the best thing that i found is literally i know that people and by the way i'm just saying this has worked best for me i'm not saying this advice for everyone but a lot of people talk about going into facebook manager and 
and running ads through there. That mm-hmm. does work. And I'm not saying that it doesn't, but the best thing that I found, given the way that I like to run my model, I guess, you know, in terms of getting people top of the funnel and just onto my profile, just boosting a post. So I find that the the best posts that I put out are ones with me stood next to the painting that's finished. So I will boost those those um, posts and I'm simply going on to the bottom of the picture. I'm clicking uh, promote and then I'm going to automatic audience. And because I've got a, a fairly decent audience, th- that gives me enough um, metrics mm. that Instagram can find similar people that look like um, those people that already follow me. And so I simply, uh, yeah, boost boost that post. I try to spend maybe about five hundred to a thousand pound a month on on ads, um, and I don't. And I completely appreciate that not everyone will be able to do that, and some people will be able to do a lot more than that. But for me, at the moment, how many that's ads do you run with that five hundred to a thousand? So at the moment, I'm running uh, five five ads. Uh, so I mean, just look at it like this: you can run five posts and spend a hundred pound on each across a month mm-hmm. that that will more than do enough and the way that i actually fund doing that is by selling prints so all the money i get from prints sales i i just channel that straight i don't even worry about that that's like money that i haven't even earned i just put it straight back into instagram ads um what you don't want to do though is that so what i just mentioned that's effectively a traffic campaign what you don't want to do is do a um Oh, what is it called? A conversions. You don't want to do that because that will get very, very expensive. And so instead of Instagram, when you do a traffic campaign, it just goes out to an audience that looks or that, you know, kind of blasts out to an audience that kind of look like what your audience looks like. When you do a conversion campaign, in, uh, Instagram and Facebook is, is specifically going out and trying to pluck people that they think and have spent previously on ads and all that kind of stuff. So you pay for the much more, um, that much more selective nature of, of the ad, you pay for that. And that I've tried that and it kind of got out of hand in terms of <laughs> the amount <laughs> that you spend because Instagram unless you set a limit it can just spend whatever it wants on trying yeah. to um, on trying to find your right per- your right customer sorry not audience hmm. um, I love it this is so good yeah that, stuff guys yeah that would be the the general gist um but yeah like I said you don't you don't have to spend loads but Instagram is a platform, it's a business platform now, and it wants you to spend money. And so you can either complain that you're not getting the reach that you were getting before, or get on board with the idea that you're going to have to pay if you do want to get that reach. And the the reason that I'm happy to, well, I say happy, (laughs) reluctantly (laughs) happy to spend on that platform is because there's, there is no other place apart from Clubhouse and TikTok and maybe LinkedIn, where you're able to get to so many people for such little price. If you was to run a TV commercial, that's going to cost you hundreds of thousands or do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of why I say it, because at the minute, they are the best, it is the best way of, of kind of finding an audience for the cheapest amount. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, And I think it's, it's awesome that you even shared that in more detail because I know a lot of creatives you know they're trying to figure out ways to market themselves and put themselves out there and they hear about Facebook ads and there's two ways to do it you can boost your ads or you can actually go you know into Facebook manager and do like 
more in-depth um, Facebook ad targeting, which I would highly recommend if you have the time to learn or you have the money to hire somebody to do that because it's targeted, specifically targeted to do what you want it to do. But also I've seen um, success with boosting too. So it's cool to kind of see how you've made that work for you and how um, some Gangstar creatives listening can do the same for them and kind of test that out. So thanks for sharing that. Uh, I mean, even what you just suggested there, if, if you do know enough about ads, definitely doing that kind of targeted route, definitely doing the targeted approach is much better, you know, through the ads manager, if you can, but I just didn't know enough about it. And I couldn't find anyone to really help me really pin that down. Because for those that don't know Instagram or sorry, I keep calling it Instagram, but Facebook needs to learn about your audience. But it, like, it's not like you can target someone and automatically it will find those people to to really get it working properly you have to you have to spend a bit on ads so that it can work out exactly who your audience is so that would just be a caveat yeah definitely absolutely um i know we're coming close on time so i want to ask um you i know you've been in business for like two you said two and a half years two to three years and so you're fairly new but you've been killing it um doing a lot of really cool stuff and as creative entrepreneurs, there's lots of ups and there's lots of downs. So I want to know what was your biggest mistake that you have made in business so far and how did you grow from it? Um, it a mistake. Pushing it too far. Um, when I was working a job um, and trying to do this, I was literally running myself into the ground. Uh, so, you know, doing a long day at work and then at the time I was driving um, miles and miles and miles to then get to and from work and, and then going back and painting. And I ended up crashing my, um, my car. And that was a bit of a wake up call in terms of just managing the workload. And I was like, this isn't sustainable. Um, and so fortunately no one was injured um, and, you know, but it was a kind of wake up call in that I needed to change the way that I was operating because long-term that's not, that wasn't sustainable. Mm. So yeah, that, that was probably a, a low, I mean, it was kind of a, ba a bad thing to have happened, but it was also a good thing in that kind of, it made me realize at the same time that, yeah, this isn't working. So something needs to change, you know? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, but at the same time, obviously, it kind of made you realize that things need to change, you know, and you got to take care of you and your, your sanity. Um, so things like that don't happen. And that kind of goes to like what you were saying earlier, like how you shouldn't, um, you know, work till you die <laughs> type of thing, you know, like that, like hustle and grind mentality. Um, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong in the beginning, you do have to make some of those types of uh, sacrifices, but it's ultimately yeah. up to you to decide, you know, how far you're willing to go and should go. Um, yeah. And, you know, I know for me in the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey, like it was, it was rough and you, but you got to like put in that time and that work. So it's kind of like that catch 22, like you, you should put your health and your, your uh, mental space, you know, first, but at the same time, you kind of got to do what it takes to get to where you want to be in the beginning. Um, and so you kind of like, kind of have to figure out what works for you and, you know, what is best for you as far as, you know, your mental health and your, your soul and your body and all of that, because, um, as you work hard, you know, that kind of decreases at the same time. So I think it's a, a special, um, thing for entrepreneurs to figure out how to kind of balance that and make sure all of those things are priorities, just as much as the business and the hustle is a priority. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I mean, I feel like I've massively brought the tone down of, the, of what has been a very nice conversation. But um, No, I mean, yeah, I think it's, it, it's a great message. It's, it's just a long-term game. And so I guess my, what I'm trying to get across is that you don't always have to put so much pressure on yourself to get to where you want to be, you know? It, it, like, like I said, it will take a, a many a year to really excel and, and, and make it to where you ideally want to be. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, and like I said, I mean, I think it's just important for people to bring that up, especially for uh, my listeners, because I know a lot of you that are listening are kind of in that beginning stages and you're like hustling and grinding and you kind of got to, it's okay to take a break. It's okay to celebrate, you know, it's okay to have like moments where you're paused because when you're just like going, 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 it's a lot harder to create. And then it's a lot harder to just kind of like find that happiness and joy in what you're doing. So I know a lot of people feel guilty when they have to um, take breaks or, you know, kind of get into those funks, but just know that that's part of the process and you kind of have to just see it as what it is um, because you kind of need that to, to grow and to, to maintain. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely not like a straight line all the way to success. It's kind (laughs) of... (laughs) Uh, uh, you know and I've still got a long way to go but it's definitely the ups and the downs there's times you want to do it there's times that you uh definitely definitely don't want to do it so um yeah it, it kind of I guess swings and roundabouts as such yeah so do you have any last pits, bits of parting advice um for the listeners before we end our conversation today what I will say is that uh, for, for many a year prior to um, actually finding art as my thing as such, which I've gone on to kind of make my profession, I tried a load of different bits and pieces. I tried a, a bit of property. I tried to do a bit of social media to try and, you know, earn a little bit of extra money and, and nothing really clicked um, until I did art. And so I would advise or at least offer this um, as a suggestion to anyone who's kind of maybe a bit lost. It's one of my favorite quotes and it's your gift is the thing you do the absolute best with the least amount of effort. And for me, that was art and nothing really clicked until I found that. And so for those people that may be listening who are undecided just yet, what is it that you do the best and you find easy that not everyone else finds easy and maybe in that, is the thing that you uh, could do as a side hustle or even make your profession. I love it. Love it. What's next for you? What can our listeners look forward to from you? Any big projects or anything um, that you're going to be revealing soon? Uh, Well, I haven't mentioned it yet and it it hasn't happened yet, but um, I've got a contact that knows, um, do you know Anthony Joshua, the uh, boxer? I do not. Uh, he's like a UK, uh, probably the biggest boxer in the UK. Um, That's awesome. And so, uh, do you know Tyson Fury? No? Yes. Tyson, well, He's fighting Tyson Fury next. And so... Um, oh, hope- okay. Yeah, hopefully, with a bit of luck, I'll be able to um, collaborate with him and, and get a painting to him. So that would be the ideal. But, um, yeah. Ooh, that's well, what, that's, that's exciting. So it's kind of like, in the, it hasn't... It's not like confirmed, but it's probably going to happen. No, it's no, yeah, it's, this isn't what's happening, but it's more of a, um, 
desperately working on it in the background to, to make happen. <laughs> well, I love it. Well, I put good energy out there and I hope that that lands for you and I'm sure it will. Um, so I look forward and everybody listening looks forward to kind of seeing that post for when that happens. So everybody listening, you heard, you heard it here first. When you see that post, you put it into fruition, you put it into the universe to make it happen. Uh, um, I mean, even just on that, I think you do have to be confident. It's kind of what we was talking about the posting thing. If you want mm. something, you kind of have to just start telling people about it because by the law of attraction, you will begin to be open up to doors. Um, you Sorry, you'll start opening doors that you didn't think were possible. Um, so, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey and so many good nuggets and wisdom. I really appreciate your time. Um, and I know the listeners do too. No, thank you so much. for. I've really enjoyed it. And so um, thank you so much for having me on. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, listen to a couple more episodes and share it with a fellow Gangstar creative. I would also be forever grateful if you left a review letting me know what you loved and what you'd like to hear more of. And as a thank you for leaving me a review, I'll gift you both my 10 ways to create a Gangstar brand PDF and five ways to boost your online sales PDFs. Just screenshot your review and DM me the picture on Instagram at Devonna Stimson and I'll send it right over to you. Until next time, cheers to annihilating the status quo of the starving artist.